next on Simple Truths, Pastor Xavier Reese and a look into the future. Here you are. You're in the 60s, okay? And God takes you by His Spirit into the year 2000 and you see an iPod. Describe it to me. <laughs> Want to try a laptop? The prophets attempted to describe heavenly things with earthly language that's contemporary of His time and He's doing the best He can. Now I give Ezekiel A+. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Does he have hands like us? What color is his hair? Have you ever wondered what does God look like? Well, today, Pastor Xavier helps paint a picture of our Lord and Creator. Let's join him as he continues his study in the book of Ezekiel and today's study, A Vision of the Glory of God. The Bible is very clear that no man can see God and live, for he dwells in an unapproachable light. Exodus 33:20 and 1 Timothy 6:16 are a couple of those verses. There's probably no other portion of Scripture that has been misinterpreted more than the first chapter of Ezekiel. And yet, Ezekiel gives us the interpretation so that no one is left to their own opinion or speculation. The prophet Ezekiel did not see the person of God. Nor did he see a UFO. For he records for us that he saw a vision of God, the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord Yahweh. Look at verse 1 at the end. I saw visions of God. Now I know you're not supposed to read the last before the beginning, a book or a chapter, but look at the end, verse 28. It says, This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. He interprets for us what he saw. This is a theophany and possibly a Christophany as we will see as he sees a man on the throne. The purpose was to reveal his glory and to conceal his person. No one has seen the person of God. Jesus reveals the Father. Yes, there is figurative language involved to describe the literal things the prophet Ezekiel was seeing, but... They are all related to and an extension of the main focus. What is it? The glory of God. This is the glory of God. The angels are not the focus, though they're described. So, what we want to look at is the vision of the glory of Yahweh seen by Ezekiel in chapter 1. Let me read it for us. Now it came to pass in the 30th year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives of the river Kibar, that the heavens were open, and I saw visions of God. On the fifth day of the month, which was the fifth year of King Jehoiachin's captivity, the word of the Lord came expressly to Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzzai, in the land of Chaldeans, by the river Kibar, and the hand of the Lord was upon him there. Then I looked, and behold, a whirlwind was coming out of the north, a great cloud with raging fire engulfing itself in brightness, was all around it and radiating out of its midst like a color of amber out of the midst of the fire. Also from within it came the likeness of four living creatures, and this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man. Each one had four faces, each one had four wings. Their legs were straight, and their soles of their feet were like the soles of cow's feet. Weird. They sparkle like the color of burnished bronze. The hands of a man were under their wings and on their other side, their four sides, and each of the four had faces and wings. Their wings stretched out one to another, 
The creatures did not turn when they went, but each one went straight forward. As for the likeness of their faces, each one had the face of a man. Each one of the four of them had the face of a lion. On the right side, each one of the four had the face of an ox on the left side. And each one of the four had the face of an eagle. Thus were the faces, their wings stretched upward, two wings, each one touched one another, and two covered their bodies. And each one went straight forward. They went wherever the Spirit wanted them to go, and they did not turn when they went. As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire, like the appearance of torches going back and forth among the living creatures. The fire was bright, and out of the fire went lightning. And the living creatures uh, ran back and forth in appearance like a flash of lightning. Now, as I looked at the living creatures, behold, a wheel was on the earth besides each living creature with its four faces. The appearance of these wheels and their workings was like the color of burl, and all four had the same likeness. The appearance of their workings was, as it were, a wheel in the middle of a wheel. And when they moved, they went towards anyone for, for directions. They did not turn aside when they did. As for their rims, they were so high, they were awesome. And their rims were full of eyes all around the four of them. And when the living creatures went, the wheels went besides them. And when the living creatures were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up. Wherever the Spirit wanted to go, they went, because there the Spirit went. And the wheels were lifted together with them, and the Spirit of the living creatures was in the wheel. When, they, when those went, they went. When they stood, they stood. And when they were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up from the earth with them. For the Spirit of the living creature was in the wheels. The likeness of the firmament above the head of the living creature was like the color of an awesome crystal stretching out over their heads. And under the firmament, their wings spread out straight and towards one another. Each one had two wings, uh, or two which covered the one side, and two of them covered the other side of their body. And when they went, I heard the noise of the wings like the noise of many waters, like the voice of the Almighty, a tumult like the noise of an army. And when they stood still, they let down their wings. A voice came from above the firmament. That was on, over their heads whenever they stood and they let down their wings. And above the firmaments over their heads was the likeness of a throne. It appears like the sapphire stone. One likeness on the throne was the likeness with the appearance of a man high above it. Also, from the appearance of his waist and upward, I saw, as it were, the color of amber and the appearance of fire all around it. And from the appearance of his waist downward, I saw, as it were, the appearance of fire with brightness all around it. Like the appearance of the rainbow in a cloud on a rainy day, so was the appearance of the brightness all around it. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord Yahweh. So when I saw it, I fell on my face, and I heard a voice of one speaking. The vision of the glory of Yahweh here, seen by Ezekiel, unfolds for us, first of all, in the documentation of the vision, verse 1 through 3. Secondly, you have the observation of the vision from verse 4 to 14. And then you have the culmination of the vision in verse 15 through 28. Let's begin with the documentation of the vision, verse 1 through 3. Notice the vision is dated by the age of Ezekiel. He's 30 years old at the time of the vision. The fifth month, July, on the fifth day. 
He was among the captives there at the river Kibar, as we've said before. He lived with the people, daily contact. He, had the, uh, he knew the attitudes of the people, their discouragement, their disillusionment, their self-deception. He had the pulse of the nation. He had been in captivity for five years. He himself was disillusioned, I'm sure, having never entered the priesthood, having never been able to go through the uh, uh, itinerant program, and here he is in captivity. The river Kibor, as we said, is known as Kabor, near Nippur, between the Euphrates, the river, a water canal to bring water 50 miles down into the Euphrates from the city of Babylon, about 50 miles. Now, listen to the psalm, what it says, the psalmist, about what they sang when they were in Babylon. This is how bad they were, okay? Uh, Psalm 137.16, just listen. By the river of Babylon, there was... There we sat down, yea, we wept when we remember Zion. We hung our harps upon the willows in the midst of it. Uh, for there are those who carried us away captive, asked us to sing a song. Sing us a song. And those who uh, plundered us uh, requested mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord Yahweh's song in a foreign land? If I forget you, Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. If I do not remember you, let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. If I do not exalt Jerusalem above my chief joy. You ever been gone from home? Long time? Notice the visions are identified as coming from God. Very important, verse 1. The prophet declares that the heavens were open. The phrase simply means that he is allowed to see something beyond the normal skyline, the clouds, something supernatural. It's used in 2 Kings 7.2, Malachi 3.10. The prophets were called seers. Now, in fact, we get a definition in Numbers 12.6. It says, then he said, hear now, God speaking, hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord Yahweh, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream, and they were called seers, 1 Samuel 9.9. So God gives that avenue which he can communicate to men, but he gives his word for it to be judged. That's important. Now, the prophet's identification here, not only of himself, but he identifies what he saw. He saw visions. Mark it well. God's. While he's awake, when you dream, you're asleep. These are visions revealed to Ezekiel from God from heaven. The book of Ezekiel contains three groups of visions. The first ones are here, chapter 1 through 3, resulting in the captivity dealing with their past sins. God's going to judge them. Chapter 2 and 3 will be his call and his preparation. Now, the second group is from chapter 8 to chapter 11. The vision of their sin against God resulting in the departure of God's glory, dealing with the reason for their present judgment. They didn't revere the holiness of God. And the third one we find in chapter 40 to 48, as we've mentioned before, the vision of their sins removed by God resulting in the restoration of God's glory in the kingdom age, dealing with their future reconciliation from their sins. That is yet to come. Now, look at verse 2. The date of the visions are recorded in detail. The fifth day of the month is July now, uh, specified to be in relationship to Jehoiachin. Uh, King Jehoiachin was taken captive in 597 B.C., as we've said. This is 592. Um, Thirteen times Ezekiel dates his prophecies uh, towards that. It's the only accurate uh, chronology that we can do from his 30th year and from the fifth year of captivity. There was to be only one more final captivity in 586 B.C. And um, Zedekiah, the king, the last king, would reign during that time. Now, notice in verse 3 the nature of the visions are described the prophet identifies the visions of God as from God, and he declares them to be 
the word of the Lord Yahweh. Underline that phrase. It's his word. Uh, the revelation of the will and mind of God. The title of God, uh, all capital letters, is called the Tetragrammaton. Big old word because they only wrote the consonants, Y-H-V-H. So we don't know how it's pronounced. For many years they could pronounce, pronounce it uh, Jehovah. But it's probably not it. It's either Yahweh or Yahweh. But we don't know. So it's called Tetragrammaton. Just the consonants, okay? The reason being is because his name was so holy that the priest, nobody would pronounce it, and they didn't even want to write it. So no one would pronounce it. A holy God. Notice the vision was not an opinion, but an absolute assurance by the phrase underlined, extremely, expressly came. The word of the Lord expressly came. In other words, a good translation would be, it definitely was. In other words, Ezekiel was not... On acid, okay? Now, when we go through the description, some of you were in the 60s, took some acid, you say, whoa, you know, but he wasn't on that, okay? It definitely was what? The Word of God. There was no doubt about the origin and source of the revelation. Now, notice the prophet identifies himself as the recipient along with his lineage. Ezekiel the priest, Buzzai is his lineage, believed to be the line of Zadok the priest, and the prophet confirms his location. Now, this is important, the land of Chaldeans, by the specific location of the river Kibar. Usually the river is a place of prayer. Remember Acts 16, 13? Paul goes to Philippi and he finds Lydia there because there's not, there's not enough men for a synagogue and they're praying. Interesting, here he is by the river. He's probably praying. Notice in verse 3 still, the prophet gives personal witness to the fact that he was aware of God's presence and personally dealing with him. In captivity by the phrase, the hand of the Lord Yahweh was upon me there. The word there is emphatic, at Babylon. Here it is. Listen, God is not confined to the temple. Solomon said, the heavens of heavens cannot contain you. How's the temple going to contain you? Think about it. He dwells in your body, the temple of God. Wow. It's not just Jesus, the Holy Spirit. God the Father is there too, all three. It's a crowded place. This man has a mission from God. Remember, his name means Ezekiel. What does it mean? God strengthens. There's no way he could do this unless God strengthens him. The book of Daniel had been doubted as historically accurate for many, many years, centuries, uh, because there had been no mention of Belshazzar found uh, in records in Nabonidus, who is 555, 538 B.C., was known to be the last king of Babylon. But in 1853, an inscription was found in a cornerstone of a temple built by Nebuchadnezzar in Ur to a god, and it read the following. Listen, quote, May I, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, not sin against thee, and may revenge for thee dwell in the heart of Belshazzar, my firstborn favorite son. God does this all the time. All these critics, all these guys, Bible and everything else, they criticize it, and God gets some archaeologists, sends them out there, digs something up, there's not one piece of archaeological evidence that has ever contradicted the Bible, only verified it. In fact, archaeologists, pagan and Christian, only use one book to find things, the Bible. That's how accurate it is. Do you write things down? Do you keep records when you believe God has spoken to you? Important things that you may know that it's God who has directed you. I have things in my Bible through my life in Christ. Because later on, I said, well, this guy said, I write it down, the time, what I think he did. Or he gives me a scripture. And I let it put it there, leave it there and see what God's going to do. I write it down. 
prayer requests. You're praying for people. You're praying for things. When God answers, you may know that it wasn't just your imagination. Habakkuk 2, 2 through 3, listen to him. The Lord Yahweh answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on a tablet, that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end of it it will speak, and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Important to write things down. Document it. The primary test to see if God is speaking to you is what? Your emotions, your feelings, your opinions? No, the word of God. You remember Jeremiah? Let me read you from Jeremiah. 23, 25 through 30. I have heard what the prophets have said who prophesy lie to my name, in my name, saying, I have dreamed a dream. How long will this be in the heart of the prophets who prophesy lies? Indeed, there are prophets of the deceit of their own heart who try to take my people and make them forget my name by their dreams, and everyone tells his neighbor and their fathers forget my name for Baal. The prophet who has a dream, let him tell his dream, and who has my word, let him speak my word. Faithfully, What is the shaft of the wheat, says the Lord Yahweh? Is not my word like a fire, says the Lord Yahweh, and like a hammer that breaks the rocks in pieces? Therefore, behold, I am against the prophet, says the Lord Yahweh, who steal my words, every one from his neighbors. What do they do? They're all around. They're sort of like a, a spiritual embrace, and they're all around, and they say the same things. They copy each other, and, and they're just, it's nauseating. Be careful when those come to you and say, you know, thus saith the Lord, or the Lord told me to tell you something. Listen, listen, you are a child of God. God has your number, social security, telephone, everything else. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He will speak to you first. God can use somebody to speak to you, but it will be confirmation, not news. Always confirmation. God deals with you personally. You have his word. The amount of false teachers and so-called prophets today, especially televangelists, is just staggering. A bunch of con artists. Acts 17, 11 says the Bereans were more noble than the Thessalonians and that they searched the scriptures daily to find out if those things were so. You must check everything you hear. You must check me when I teach. You must open your Bible and find out if that's what it's saying in context. You follow. You follow Jesus. You follow no man. You follow the word of God. Not your emotions, not your feelings, not the methodologies of men. Paul told Thessalonians, test all things, hold fast to what is good. 1 Thessalonians 5.21. What's the test? The word of God. That's the plumb line. We've gone through this over and over again. The documentation, the vision made it what? Reliable. Now notice comes the observation of the vision. This is where people get caught up and lost. In verse 4, the vision came to Ezekiel in the form of... Of a furious storm, the prophet Ezekiel looked, and he beheld a whirlwind coming out of the north. The storm begins as something natural and moves into something supernatural. That's the way God works. The north would certainly point to the direction of Babylon because the judgments were Jerusalem, and God would use Babylon as its instruments. Isaiah 39, 6, Jeremiah 20, verse 4, Habakkuk 1, 6, and many others. But I think something else is intended. This is a vision of the glory of God who is holy and righteous, not Babylon. Ezekiel was to know God would judge the sins of Judah. He was going to use an instrument, but it was God. Jot down Psalm 75, 6, and 7, and watch what happens here. For exaltation comes neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. You expect north come next, right? 
But God is the judge. He puts down one and he exalts another. God is placed in the place of the north. He judges. Coincidence? I don't think so. Remember when Satan rebelled against God? We're going to get to him uh, later on in 28. But in Isaiah 14, 13, listen to his threats. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation. Listen. On the farthest sides of the north. The storm is coming from the north. It's a vision of God. God is going to judge them. Wow. Notice Ezekiel next saw a great cloud with raging fire engulfing it. God is a consuming fire, we are told. His judgment is pure and holy. Deuteronomy 9.3, Hebrews 12.29. Ezekiel describes the brightness being all around it and radiating out of the mist like a color of amber out of the middle of the fire, verse 4 says. Color amber, luminous, metal color. A kind of dazzling splendor here. Uh, 5 through 14, the vision reveals the appearance of four living creatures now. The prophet, in verse 5, as he was watching, saw from within this fiery cloud come forth the likeness of four creatures. Uh, The word likeness means similitude, and it's repeated ten times in the chapter. Because the prophet is attempting to describe heavenly things with earthly language that's contemporary of his time, and he's doing the best he can. Now, I give Ezekiel A+. Let me give you an example, okay? How many of you guys grew up in the 60s? If you can, oh, not too many. All right, we're still around. Okay, <laughs> here you are. You're in the 60s, and God takes you by his spirit into the year 2000, and you see an iPod. Describe it to me. <laughs> Want to try a laptop? Interesting. Verse 5, the prophet identifies the likeness of each creature as that of a man. Once again, similitude. A similitude. In verse 6 through 9, the prophet next describes these four living creatures. Verse 6, he first says that each one has four faces and four wings. Secondly, in verse 7, he says that their legs are straight, the soles of their feet like the soles of calf, weird, sparkling like color of burnished bronze. Thirdly, in verse 8, he says the hands of a man were under their wings on the four sides and reaffirming that each of the four had faces and wings more than one face. Fourthly, he gives their mode of flight. Their wings touched one another, and the creatures did not turn when they went, but each one went straight forward. What does this mean? In other words, they didn't make circular turns, round turns. They made, listen, tip, tip, 90 degrees, perpendicular, straight angles. Do you know how many G-forces that is? You knock out, but not angels. Verse 10 The prophet then describes that each had four different faces, that of a lion, of an ox, a man, and an eagle. The four symbolize strength, service, intelligence, and heavenliness. Now, remember, the new is concealed in the old, and the old is revealed by the new. Simple principle. So we're going to use what we know about the Scripture from the New Testament to interpret this, to be scripturally. If we're wrong, at least we're scriptural. Here we go. Matthew presents Jesus as the lion, the king of the Jews. By the way, it's on the right side. Where is Jesus seated? On the right hand of the Father, the king. Interesting. Mark presents Jesus as the ox, the servant of man. He's on the left. 
Luke presents Jesus as the Son of Man. Man. And his face is where? Forward. Because men can only go forward looking forward, right? They're limited. But then what? John represents Jesus as the eagle, the Son of God. Where's the face of the eagle? The back. Why? Because God doesn't need to look forward to know the future. He sees everything. <laughs> How interesting. Pastor Xavier Reese and a look at the future from God's perspective. Now, there's much more from this message to come next time, but if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, you can pick up a copy of this message, A Vision of the Glory of God, and it's available on CD for only $4. And make sure you pass on this study to someone in your church or Bible study. And once again, the title to ask for is A Vision of the Glory of God, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. Why are so many Christians living mediocre lives? We'll take a look on the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 